Amen. Let's turn to Romans chapter 11 tonight. <clears throat> I've got some handouts here that I forgot to put back in the back. Romans chapter 11. Got family drama going on. <laughs> All right. Uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 36. Let's read that, those verses together. Uh, beginning verse number 25. The Bible says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness is part, in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the Deliverer, <coughs> and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. But as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. <coughs> Excuse me. For as ye in time past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they may also, also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he, that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord? Or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him? And it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him and are, are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. <clears throat> In this passage here, let me get a drink of water here. My allergies are horrible this week. <clears throat> As Paul writes these chapters that we've been looking at, the last uh, couple of chapters, he's letting the Christians in Rome know uh, that it is a surety that God will redeem Israel. And God's love is unchanging. If Israel will call upon the name of the Lord... Uh, they will be saved. This is evidence in their history, uh, and it will be true in their future as well. Uh, Israel's restoration is a surety, and it stands as a pillar of the truth that God's love never changes. And uh, even whenever uh, they have to be denied for a while and they, don't re re they reject Christ, God still loves Israel, and God's love for us still remains the same. Uh, in these verses, we see six reasons it is sure that Israel will be restored as we finish out this chapter here. Number one, uh, God has revealed it. Oops, I forgot you're, you're controlling it back there. God has, God has revealed it. Verse 25 and 26, he says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, 
lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And so all Israel, all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. And this revelation has been revealed by Paul. Uh, Paul is letting people know and letting us know. But Paul is also quoting Isaiah chapter 59, verse 20 and 21. And there are a couple of things to note concerning Israel's uh, current state and future returning to Christ uh, to, and to God. First of all, uh, letter A there, it was a mystery. It was a mystery. For I would not, brethren, ha that ye should be ignorant of this mystery. <coughs> this word mystery doesn't exactly mean what we think it means in today's terminology. It has the same idea, but it goes a little bit deeper, a little bit different. Uh, something that was unknown and now is revealed. And so a lot of times we think of something that we can't figure out. Uh, but a mystery in this case, in this with this Greek word here, is a, something that was unknown but now is revealed. Uh, something that was hidden but now is made known. Uh, something that was secret but now it is told. And things like that. The future of Israel, which was uh, once un unknown, uh, now has been revealed. Why? Well, two reasons. Uh, Bible, the verse says here that ye should not be ignorant, uh, uh, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. Okay, so God wanted us to, us to know the truth as Gentiles, but he didn't want us to become conceited because he didn't want us to become conceited. Uh, Gentiles can become puffed up thinking that they are more acceptable to God because they have responded to God's call, and Israel is not uh, answering. Uh, but God has revealed uh, no, Israel will be restored too. And not only was it a mystery, but secondly, the blindness was not total. Uh, there are Jewish believers who followed Christ in his day as, and in the days to come, in the days since. Even still today, there are Jewish Christians. And the blindness and the hardness of the hearts of Israel is not total. Uh, he did not uh, just automatically say, uh, all of them will reject me, I'm going to make it so. No, he just used their blindness, he used their hardness of hearts to spread the gospel to other parts, including the Gentiles. And, uh, but it wasn't total, not everyone rejected. Uh, and Israel's blindness is partial. But not only that, letter C, uh, blindness was not permanent. Amen? Until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, he says. Uh, once this time comes, the blindness of Israel will be removed. They'll see, and they'll answer the call. And verse 26 says, all Israel shall be saved. Uh, and this means Israel's blindness is temporary. <clears throat> it means that the restoration of Israel is a sure thing, a surety. And Israel will respect, experience revival. Uh, Israel will turn to the Lord Jesus Christ as Messiah. Uh, there is hope for every person, Amen. Uh, there's no one is beyond the help of Christ and no one is beyond uh, the ability to turn back to Christ. And, God, and Paul is letting them know that God is, for, uh, is foreseeing that there will be a time when a great number of Israel will come. And uh, so as long as there's a person, uh, as long as people are alive, they have the ability to turn to Christ. Uh, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. I don't know what I, why I wrote that verse down. 
I wonder if I grabbed the wrong verse again. I haven't done that in a while. It's been a while since I've done that. But uh, I've been going back and checking, but I don't know that I did that with this sermon. Uh, but uh, I think I grabbed the wrong verse, but I'll see if I can figure it out later. Uh, but as long as a person is still alive, they are, uh, they're still uh, able to turn to Christ. I feel like I even got the wrong book of the Bible for that. I don't know why. Uh, I just got that sense. But uh, if a person will just believe the darkness, uh, believe, uh, if, if someone will just, let's try this again. So if someone will just believe the darkness and the blindness will be removed and they'll be able to see the truth. And I believe there are many reasons to take this passage at face value as far as uh, the surety that the Jewish people will be converted uh, first of all, the whole context of this passage favors this view. I mean, this whole chapter is talking about this over and over and over again. It feels like we're repeating a lot of things, but because we are, because Paul is. And if we're going to go verse by verse, then we're going to have to repeat a lot. <laughs> and so a lot of pastors, I noticed, comp all these cha- this whole chapter into one sermon. But I, don't, I didn't know how I could possibly do that. And so we're just going to repeat a little bit. Uh, but the whole context of the chapter here is talking about the fact that this is going to happen. And as was seen before, it's, it's not speaking of every individual will come to Christ. Not every single individual person in Israel will come to Christ. But as a community or a nation, the majority will turn. There will be a great revival and turning. And Paul speaks of a great event, something that will attract universal attention. And uh, Paul says that it's a mystery Uh, And few Jews slowly and gradually getting saved is no mystery. Amen? Uh, That happens all the time. (laughs) And uh, so it can't be just a trickle of people getting saved. No, uh, that happens every day. But a great revival is something to speak about. And so this must be what we're talking about here. And so God has revealed it through Paul here. Secondly, we know it's a surety uh, because in verses 26 and 27, we see that Scripture has prophesied it. Scripture has prophesied. As mentioned in the last point, Isaiah prophesied of this turning of Israel back to Christ. In verse 26, he says, And so all Israel shall be saved. As is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. And so Scripture gives us a glimpse into the future of Israel's restoration in this verse. Uh, but it, w- it is really only a glimpse, really. We don't see the whole thing. Uh, two things are given to us. Some kind of manifestation of Christ, the Deliverer, will cause Israel to turn back to the gospel. Uh, verse 26 talks about that. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, I'm a little gun-shy about reading verses now. <laughs> but in 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 60, it says, But their minds were blinded. Yes, this is the right verses. Okay. Uh, but their minds were blinded, for unto the, until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, uh, the veil shall be taken away. And so it's, again, that prophecy that this day is going to come whenever the veil is taken away from their eyes and they're going to see the truth. Hosea chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 spoke about this. Uh, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king and without a prince and without a sacrifice and without an image and without an ephod and without a teraphim. Does that sound like today? Uh, It does to me. And afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God and David their king and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. When is this going to happen? 
I, I don't really know. There's a differences of opinions on when this will happen, but uh, as far as when this will exactly happen, but uh, we just know that it, that it's going to happen before uh, the tribulation, before all of those things happen. Um, and it, but it does say the latter days, and so uh, we look at that as being the latter days of the day of grace. Um, Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 says, And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall mourn for him and as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And uh, that, that turning of the whole heart towards Jesus Christ, it's uh, pictured there. And what a great day that's going to be. And secondly, we, so we talked, said that uh, there are two things given to us. First of all, the, uh, the, some kind of manifestation of Christ, the deliverer, will cause Israel to turn back to Christ. They'll see the truth about Jesus. Secondly, the great deliverer, Jesus the Messiah, will do two things for Israel. Uh, first of all, Jesus will turn away ungodliness from Israel. Uh, the, the ungodliness that they are experiencing now will be moved away, and they'll come to Christ and come to truth. Uh, verse 26, it says, And shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Uh, Isaiah 27, 9 says, By this, therefore, shall the iniquity of Jacob be purged, and this all the fruit to be taken uh, to take away his sin, when he maketh all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in sunder. The groves and images shall not stand up. And uh, prophesying a, a future turning back to God. Uh, secondly, uh, the great deliverer Jesus will do, not only will he turn ungodliness from Israel, but secondly, Jesus will fulfill God's covenant with Israel. Uh, he'll take away her sins. Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake, and will not remember thy sins. They'll have forgiveness. Not only will ungodliness be put away, but their sins will, that they have committed will be forgiven. And but what a great revival that's going to be, amen? I'm hungry for a revival here in America, too. Uh, there's revivals happening around the world in different countries that are more open and have not hardened their heart to Christ. And I pray for our country that uh, we as Christians will do what's right so that we can open the door for us to see revival once again in America. And will it come? I don't know. I guess that's up to uh, God, and that's up to his people, whether they'll follow what God wants him to do and turn back to him. Uh, but I hunger to see that happen in America again. Um, I got a taste of revival whenever I was a senior in high school. <coughs> and we went to school camp, and we prayed for revival to happen. Uh, while we were at school camp, and we'd stay up late, and me and friend, some friends uh, would stay up late and, and pray together out by the lake with permission. And, uh, you know, we, and we were praying that God would do a work in our school, and there was a lot of bad going on in our Christian school. And uh, we had gone away to camp at the beginning of the school year, and we saw some really bad stuff uh, in this Christian school. Cussing was, we could hear cussing in the, in the bathrooms and things, and uh, people, had, unbeknownst to us, brought alcohol to camp, to school camp, Christian school camp, and uh, different things like that. Things were going on that were not good, and we knew it, and we were praying for God to get hold of the hearts of our friends, the people that we knew. And, uh, you know, we kept praying and kept praying every night. We go back out and we were so exhausted. <laughs> but uh, Thursday night, the last night of camp, God brought revival. And people were saved. People began to weep over their sin. Uh, people began to repent 
that gave their life to Christ. Many people surrendered to preach that night, uh, surrendered to go into ministry. And uh, as far as I know, the vast majority of them are still in the ministry. And, uh, you know, they, God just did a work in there as an answer to prayer. And uh, I believe that can happen. Amen? I believe it can happen again. And uh, you've never, if you've never experienced something like that, it, boy, you should hunger for it. Um, and it's, it's, I believe that God can do it. Uh, just as he's prophesying for Israel, God can do it for us as well. But it's a surety because God has revealed it through Paul. It's a surety because Scripture has prophesied of it. Thirdly, it's a surety because God's calling is without repentance. Uh, verse 28 and 29. We mentioned this verse this morning. <clears throat> but as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Today we talked about that dealing with salvation. Here, we talked about that being a uh, evidence for eternal security. And uh, here in the context, we're talking about Israel's salvation and uh, Israel coming back to God. And uh, he says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. He doesn't change his mind. And uh, he, once he has made a decision, he does, follows through with it. And he says uh, that Israel is going to have a revival. And this, uh, another clear statement for eternal security, like I said, but it's also a clear statement for what's going on here in this chapter. Uh, if God can call, uh, has called us, which he has, uh, then it's without repentance, amen? And verse 28 makes the statement, they, the Jews, are enemies for your sakes. Uh, it sounds on the surface as though God predestined Israel's rejection. Uh, however, God doesn't cause people to reject his son. Uh, the Jews would be included in all men in 1 Timothy 2.4 where it says, uh, Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth? God wants everyone to be saved. Um, the Jews would be included in that. Um, the word enemies here is, is both active, they are hostile toward, um, and, uh, pa or pa passive, uh, that they were hated by. Uh, the Jews were hostile to God. They refused God's plan of salvation through Jesus. Uh, they refused to be the messenger for God's Son, uh, to follow through with what God had told them to do. And this caused God's displeasure and wrath uh, to come upon them as they were still in enmity with God. They had rejected the Savior. And so God turned to the Gentiles, and God found reception among the Gentiles. And many Gentiles accepted him. And so in their rejection, again, as a whole, nationalistically, not as every individual, because we know there were Jews who accepted Christ and spread the gospel, uh, but as a, a whole, a nation, nationalistically, they were enemies to God. But God still chose them. They were still his chosen people. And God still loved them. Uh, it says, as touching election, then dealing with the choosing of them. As far as the nation of Israel being God's chosen people, his calling is without repentance. He still loves them, and he still uh, is uh, there with them uh, if they'll just repent. And they can have a way to come back to God. Um, they're still beloved for the Father's sake. Um, as a people, they're uh, still very special to God. And how is it possible when they have rejected him so strongly? Uh, they're enemies with him and hostile towards God's Son. They crucified him. 
How is it they can still be God's chosen people? How is it that they can still be loved? Uh, well, uh, the patriarchs were godly people and of unusual faith, and they trusted in God. And many lived by faith, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and jo Joshua and Deborah, Ruth, Elijah, and all mentioned in the hall of faith there. Uh, but it continues on telling of even more. It says in Hebrews 11:32, it says, And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon or Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David <clears throat> also and Samuel and of the, of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in the fight, uh, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others have trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, were slain with a sword. They were wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And God is talking about all of these men. These godly men knew God and personally trusted in Christ. And God loves Israel because he chose them, but also because their ancestors, their patriarchs, their fathers followed him. And he's honoring his commitment to them. And, and uh, following through with what they said. He warned them that if they walk away from him, bad things were going to happen. And it did. And it did. They suffered the consequences of that. He warned them that there were going to be a days where there were no sacrifices. There were uh, aliens from their land. Their, uh, and the, but they would come back and inhabit their land once again. And all of these things. And it happened. Uh, and yet still they rejected God. But God says, the day's coming. It's coming. Uh, they're going to turn back to me. And uh, God still loves Israel because God is unchangeable and his gifts uh, and callings are without repentance. And God doesn't change his mind. He's constant, immutable, unchangeable. The Bible says in Psalm 33, 11, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. And there, there we have it. The counsel of the Lord, the thoughts of the Lord, the judgments of the Lord are standeth forever. He says the thoughts of his heart to all generations. There speaks the idea that uh, to multiple generations, he's, he stays the same. And it's a surety because God has revealed it through Paul. It's a surety because scripture had prophesied it. It's a surety because God's calling is without repentance. Number four, it's a surety because the Gentiles are to be witnesses. The Gentiles are to be witnesses. In verse 30 and 31, he says, For as ye in time past have not believed God, ye have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Even so have these also not now believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. Uh, in time past we didn't believe as Gentiles, yet because the Jews did not believe the gospel, the gospel was spread to us, and we believed. And now they do not believe still, those that had rejected God, uh, continue to reject God. But now they will see through the mercy of the Gentiles, the mercy that we receive, the testimony that we have received, they will see the truth. And if mercy resulted from 
unbelief, how much more effective will mercy be from mercy? Amen. Uh, and God will do a mighty work. And this seems to be Paul's point. We truly know the mercy of God that has come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And, we, and so we want the world to experience the same mercy and forgiveness of sins. And we spread that mercy through what we have been given because of what we've been given. And the Jews hold a special place in our hearts because they're God's chosen people. And right now they're not doing right. They have uh, rejected. Uh, but yet we pray for them because we are promised that God would bless those that bless them. And we pray that Israel, and Israel's on our prayer sheet um, every week. And uh, I don't want to skip over that, amen? I want to pray for Israel that they'll come to repentance. And God would speed that along. And I don't think that we, can we can't really speed along God's agenda or timeline. Uh, but maybe it feels like it if that revival hurries up, it happens. I don't know. Uh, but nevertheless, nothing needs to happen, I don't believe, before Christ comes. And God has all of that into play. And God will do this in his timing. Uh, but uh, we pray for Israel that this will, time will come soon. And that those uh, who hear the gospel and see the mercy that God has given to us and see the changed lives that he's made in us will see that and receive the mercy as well. And, uh, and the Jews will be reached... For, by the mercy of God, they'll be restored. And we as, a, we as ambassadors of Jesus Christ need to be busy sharing the gospel, not just to the Gentiles, but to the Jews alike. And they need to hear the truth. It is a surety because God revealed it through Paul. It's a surety because scripture has prophesied it. It's a surety because God's calling is without repentance. It's a surety because the Gentiles are to be witnesses. And then number five, it is a surety because of the mercy of God, because God is merciful. Verse 32, the Bible says, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Now, the word concluded means to shut up in a place, to close up, to lock up, to imprison. And God has imprisoned them in their unbelief because of their own choices. And because they rejected, they have been locked up in unbelief. And this is the judicial judgment of God. Uh, but there was a point to this, that he might have mercy upon all. And not just the Jew, but all can have mercy. And God takes the sin and works it out for the good of the whole world. And he didn't choose them to sin. He doesn't choose their rejection. He doesn't make them reject God or make them sin. God cannot tempt man uh, or cause man to sin. But he takes what has happened and their choice and turns it to the good of the whole world, that they would receive the gospel. And God locks man up in his own self, sinfulness and selfishness. Why? So that the true nature of sinfulness can be clearly seen and cause the seeking man, the man that is seeking God, to find him. Uh, it calls them to repentance when they see the end of the path that they're, being, that they're taking. And God wants and God desires to show mercy to everyone on earth. Uh, but before men can come to God, they have to confess that they are sinful, uh, that they need God. If they'll repent, God will have mercy. It's available to them. Deuteronomy 4.29 says uh, to, the, to the Israelites, But if thou thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And they'll find them if they'll just seek for them. 
Jeremiah 29, 13 says, And ye shall seek me and find me, when you search, shall search for me with all your heart. And Joel 2.13 says, And rend your heart and not your garments, and turn into, unto the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. And uh, he wants to have mercy on them. The restoration of Israel and their repentance is a surety, uh, for sure, because of the mercy of God, because he is merciful. And uh, so we see that he's revealed it through Paul. He's prophesied it in Scripture. He's, uh, we know it's sure because his, his mercy and his calling is without repentance. Uh, we see that it's um, uh, sure because the Gentiles show forth God's great mercy. Uh, and then we see uh, that it's a surety because, number six, because God has a plan. And God is going to get, his plan is always going to come, amen? It's always going to happen. Verse 33 through the end of the chapter here, it says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. <clears throat> How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed again unto him? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Uh, notice here, before we go, four uh, four things. Uh, letter A, his thoughts and wisdom are unsearchable. His thoughts and wisdom are unsearchable. He knows everything from beginning to end. His wisdom and knowledge is so deep and rich that the angels desire to look into them. First Peter chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost set down from heaven. Listen to this ending of this phrase. Which things the angel desire to look into. And the plan of God and the situation. Uh, it's uh, so deep and rich, his wisdom and knowledge and his plan for the ages. Uh, 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 they're, they're so deep and rich that it's infinite. Uh, his plans and his thoughts and his wisdom. Ephesians 3 says, May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. And the things of God are too big and too rich and wonderful for us to really comprehend or understand. Uh, they are too wonderful for man. Psalm 139, verse 6 says, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Uh, and they are too numerous and too great, like the Bible says, like the, grand, like the grains of sand upon the earth. Psalm 139, a little bit later down in that chapter, it says, How precious also are they, thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. Uh, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. And God thinks about us. God has thoughts of us. God has plans for us. And he has plans and thoughts for Israel as well. His plans for us and the Jews are more wonderful than we can imagine. Uh, you know the verse that says, I have not seen nor ear heard uh, the things that he has prepared for us. Uh, you know, we can't understand the plans of God. We can't figure out all the things of God or why he does the things he does or, or how he does the things he does. These, they're just too great for us. But God has a plan. Amen? And we can just trust that. 
His judgments are said to be unsearchable and past finding out because the secret things belong to God. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words in the law. And the secret things, they belong to God. He hasn't revealed everything. That belongs to God. But that which he has revealed, we're responsible to follow. And we need to follow it. Job 5, verse 9 says, Which doeth great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. Again, just talking about the vast, uh, vastness of his thoughts towards us and his love toward us and uh, his way for us, his plan for us. And there's no searching of God's understanding. Isaiah 40, verse 28, he says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. Uh, we can't possibly fathom. We can't understand something that God has not already understood. <laughs> it's not possible. His understanding is so, much, so vast, so, bigger, so much bigger than us. And so his thoughts and wisdom are unsearchable. Uh, letter B, we cannot grasp the plan. Verse 34, he says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Uh, we cannot know what God is thinking. Uh, we cannot give him counsel. We cannot tell him he ought to do it the, a better way. <laughs> Have you ever heard somebody say, You know, God, you ought to do it this way, or I wish God had done this. You know, we can't be his counselor, can we? God is so above us and so far above us. Uh, we just need to trust him. Uh, however, it said that, uh, we as believers can have the mind of Christ. And so we can have God's wisdom and understanding if we yield to his Holy Spirit. And this doesn't mean that believers understand God or his ways perfectly, but it does mean that God reveals himself and the truth to believers. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. What a statement. Amen. Uh, who could possibly know the mind of the Lord? And yet he turns around and says, but we have the mind of Christ. And that's talking about the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The ability for us to know the plans, the thoughts, and the way of the Lord. And 1 Corinthians 2, that same chapter a little bit earlier in the chapter, he says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. And this is where we've got the, the, the realization that this is through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and God gives us that mind to be able to make decisions, to be able to follow his will and do what he calls us to do. Uh, but this plan, uh, God's plan, his thoughtfulness and wisdom can't be understood. We can't figure it out. We can't lay it out. We can't, uh, uh, you know, diagram it out to be able to understand it better. Uh, we cannot grasp the plan. It's too big and too great. And yet God does help us as we go through it by giving us his mind. And then thirdly, we see we cannot earn God's gift. Verse 35, it comes back to that realization. Or who hath first given to him and shall be recompensed unto him again. No man can put God in debt to himself, in other words. Uh, who hath given to God anything that you could expect him to pay back? Recompense there. Uh, God owes man nothing. Uh, man has rejected God and chosen his own way. Uh, if man is to receive anything from God, it's only because of God's mercy and grace. Uh, we do not deserve it. We have not earned it. We have not put God into debt to us because of our goodness. Our goodness is as filthy rags. 
And many will think that they have earned their spot in heaven by their good deeds, uh, by doing things for the Lord and working for the Lord. But God will reject their efforts. Matthew 7, verse 22 and 23 he says, many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, I have, not, have we not prophesied in thy name? <clears throat> in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And many will think that they've earned their way there by doing good things. But that's not how you get to heaven. Uh, you get to heaven by trusting his plan, his way, and the payment that he's paid. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The righteousness of, by the law is just to show us where we fail so many times. And see that we cannot earn it on our own. We can't be good enough. And it shows us and it points out our sin so that we can repent and turn to Christ. And then letter D, we see about God's plan uh, that God is all in all. Uh, he is the source of salvation, the means of salvation, the end of salvation. And therefore only he can receive the glory. Verse 36, he says, For of him and through him and to him all are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Everything was created by God. All things have their continued existence through God. All things are to God. They are for his glory. Revelation 4, 11 they sing out, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things. And for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Uh, so we are uh, created by Him. And we live through Him. And we have our life only because of Him. And we live now to Him. And all in all, He receives the glory. And praise the Lord, God has a plan for Israel and all the world. And we trust in the surety of this prophecy that Israel will return to God. And we trust in Paul's, uh, <clears throat> what Paul has revealed it, uh, to us through the Holy Spirit. And we trust it because Scripture prophesied its truth. We trust it because uh, God's calling is without repentance and Israel is God's chosen people. We trust it because God's, of God's great mercy. And we trust it because God is, uh, has always has and always has had yeah and always will have a plan whatever whatever you don't understand what i'm saying uh this ought to be a comfort to us amen and god knows the plan and he has a plan and he's got it all in his hand if god loves the nation of israel so much and has not abandoned her and has a plan for her this means that god uh, since god uh since god loves her uh, he, uh, since, God, excuse me, since God loves us, too, he will not abandon us either. Does that make sense? Did I say that somewhat in, clar in clarity? Uh, we are his people, the church, the bride of Christ. Uh, he won't abandon us. He has a plan for us as well. And Jesus is coming back again, and I believe it could, uh, it's soon, very soon. And let's stay busy and as we wait for our bridegroom to come and take us to the wedding. Amen? And keep doing what we are supposed to be doing. Be ready at all times. Yield to him and do as he calls us to do. And you never know when he might show up. So we better be ready at all times. Amen. With our lamps trimmed and the oil filled, ready to go. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you as we have closed out uh, Romans chapter 11. And <clears throat> to you. 
It gives us the hope and the peace that you, uh, when you have called us, when you have blessed us, you're calling us without repentance. And uh, that you will always hold us uh, uh, dear to you. May we, uh, in understanding that, yield to you and obey you in what you have called us to do. And I pray that you help us to be faithful to being a witness for you. Pray that you guide and direct us now throughout this week, Lord. I pray that you give us a good week. Have everybody, uh, pray that everybody will have a safe Memorial Day weekend and that all will go well. I pray that you guide and direct us, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. Thank you for coming tonight. You